Hello and welcome to the T-Set Pass Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, a weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast where I either chat to you alone or have a lovely guest to talk about their experiences with the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game. This week I am joined by the lovely Mistress Doom, a Twitch streamer, content creator extraordinaire. She's an amazing event organizer, has raised thousands and thousands of pounds for charity through her Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon streams. She is a brilliant person in the community and I was really excited to speak to her this week. One thing that really caught my attention recently is Mistress Doom held a Yu-Gi-Oh! women-only tournament with female content creators across the board, and it was a really nice safe space for people to just play Yu-Gi-Oh! They were featured on the front page of Twitch and got thousands and thousands of views. It was super impressive, and I was really glad to be there. No more beating around the bush. Let's get straight into this conversation with the Hound Pound Mistress herself, Mistress Doom. So how, how long have you been playing? How long have you cared? How long and how did it get involved in your professional life? Was it through the cosplay side or was it something before that? So I don't really remember much of my childhood being like very Yu-Gi-Oh influenced. If it was Pokemon for sure, but Yu-Gi-Oh, I think I remember just being scared of Silvory Calco <laughs> and like not watching it again. And then I don't remember why I got back into it, but um, I was hanging out with people who were into card games um, and I went to like the local card game store and then I ended up picking up Yu-Gi-Oh back then. And then I just so happened to be working on radio at the time and I got my own radio show and it was about video games and anime. Mm -hmm. And I got sponsored by the local store for advertising time on it. And then I, they started paying for me to go to Yu-Gi-Oh! Sneak Peeks and do content off of that. And so that's how I kind of got into Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm not good at Yu-Gi-Oh! for whatever it's worth. Uh, I just, you know, no one's necessarily super stacked at Sneak Peeks. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I used to do those kind of things and make some content on pack openings and that. So that's how it ended up involved in my thing because it was uh, just part of what the sponsors wanted me to do. When so is that when you were like 18-ish? Yeah. So you got a radio show at 18. How did, how did that go about if you can if you can talk about it? Like what was that? I'm very cool at my job. Ooh, very, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I started, all right, so I applied for a role as a gig guide presenter on the station I went for. Yeah. And they were like, they needed someone to go to gigs like throughout the week and then do a little half an hour review segment of gigs and preview of gigs. But it was just meant to be previews. And I went, what if I just go to the gig? Because mm. I could, I was young. So I did. I went to gigs and then I ended up just part of the local band scene and I did the gig guide and then I started reviewing gigs and then I started bringing on guests as well in my half an hour segment and turned it into this very cool, very popular half an hour segment on the station. And then that got the attention of the programming committee and they were like, we got some slots going. Do you want to make a demo for a like show? And I was like, sure, why not? So I started um, co-hosting on a rock show about rock music and I got known as the rock fixer for that. And I started learning how to manage a radio desk and how to put shows together. And so then I went, all right, there's not really, at the time I did this, this was like 2012 sort of time. Mm. So there wasn't like much video game stuff or anime stuff on radio, like not on the FM airwaves at all. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go and do that because I love video games and I love that kind of stuff. So I put together a demo for that and um, I submitted it to the programming committee and they were like, this is, this is good stuff. We're happy for you to go on air. So I spent a little bit more time doing the rock show to learn to manage a radio desk better because I wasn't, you had to have a tech team with you at the start yeah. until you were allowed to run it on your own. So I did my first show. This is like very funny and it's like kind of one of those weird sexism issues, but the station originally told me I had to have a male co-host. Really? This show. Yeah, because they were like, oh, men, men, no video games, not girls. And it was still that kind of era. So I was like, When was okay. this? Like two, two it's like 2011, 12-ish. Like you forget how recent it is. Like, well, I yeah. guess you don't. But like, you <laughs> hope you hope was... it's better by like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so um, they gave us a male co-host and he didn't know anything about video games, dude. He was like, my favorite game is Borderlands and I like the music and I was like, that's cool. I love Cage the Elephant. They're great and whatnot. But um, you don't, do you know anything about anything? And I think he insulted Pokemon on the very first episode. And I was Did like, he? what? I was like, dude, we, okay. Really not so reading the vibe got, of the... Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he insulted Sonic and Pokemon and that. And I was like, all right. Because I think the first show I did, I was like the gaming news and then like get to know the presenters a little bit about what games they liked and stuff. And then everything I liked, he was just like, no, it sucks. I was like, bruh. And there was like people live messaging in. So it was kind of like streaming, but not. Like people could live message the radio station, text in and that, and we would see those messages. So it was very funny. But uh, yeah, I had to have a guy co-host for a while. And How long until they, they let you get rid stuff. of him? Like... About three shows in. <laughs> Not, at least three you didn't have to go like for uh, months and months. Yeah, uh, so I had to do Yu-Gi-Oh because of part of that. Uh, you had to. Card- what a shame. Well, we what a, a shame. No, yeah. And we had to do card <laughs> games. Eventually, we actually ended up with like Masco X from Team Four Star as a co-host on it. Really? Co-host. Yeah. That's amazing. I brought him on for a little quiz section, and then he was really good. So I made him do the anime side. I was like, "You do anime reviews. Go, go take that side of the show." And then I did the card game stuff, and then we both did video games. Um, so you know, it, I did it for a long time. Like, I was going to say, when did you sort of wrap that up then? Uh, pandemic time. That recent, good. Well, I say that yeah, recent. What is it? Three years now? I lose track. Yeah, I, it feels like yesterday, but like it yeah. isn't really, is it? Like it's, it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. Mm. It really has, but yeah, that's what I did, and that's kind of how I got back into. You go on a more professional level. My history with Yu-Gi-Oh is weird, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was to just, all right, let's go. I'll list like a couple of random things I've done that are Yu-Gi-Oh related and you'll understand a little bit more what I mean when I say it's been a huge part of my professional career. Yeah. So I um, yeah, I did the radio show and that's how I got into conventions and then I started guesting at conventions and I would go and play the trading card games because of course I would. Um, and then, oh God, I got home with them. I eventually got asked by Cambridge University if I could go to their daycare and teach kids trading card games. That's um, cute. Twice a week. So then I was like, oh, cool. So then I messaged Konami and I was like, hey, I'm about to teach like thousands of kids how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, you want to you wanna hook me up with anything for this? And then they gave us a bunch of OTS boxes to give to the kids, which was really cool, actually. So we got to give we got to give a bunch of kids their first ever trading cards. That's amazing. Which was really cool. Right. And they were OTS ones. They got some spicy stuff. I was going to say, rolling around. These kids got the most stacked ultimate res uh, around. <laughs> they have no idea what they are. Uh, I used to love seeing the fake cards kids would bring in. And they'd have been traded like these really janky ones. I think one was like an Azurize Dragonite Blue Eyes card. It was bizarre. Uh, it was like a Blue Eyes White Dragon, but it was a Dragonite. And oh my God, it was that sounds great. I love that. fake card. I love fake cards. They're terrible. I love um, fake cards. Yeah, it was one of those ones. But so we did that. So I legit got. I, I think that means I was like legitimately for a while like an actual trading card professor there. Because I was just. Did you get the kid. Did you get the professorship of it? That'd be great. That's amazing. That, God, Put that on no, the CV. <laughs> the thing that really stood a testament to me about the community I had built up over like the course of two years of doing like primarily like Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff on Twitch was the homepage tournament we did. Mm. That. That was the one where we did not have. So we did for context for the TikTok peeps. Hello, we did a all women Yu-Gi-Oh creator tournament. Uh, Sixteen all women presenting peoples who um, would do a tournament for the homepage of Twitch during like Women's Empowerment Month. We we'd put one of those together. By we, I mean me and my team. We did that, and we called a Kenya for the power. And it was sixteen female creators all dueling it out on the homepage. 
Now, obviously, we had a lot of warnings from Twitch themselves as well about what to expect. And so I briefed these 16 creators being like, please don't read the chat just in case it gets a bit scuffy in there. Because uh, when we say it was like quite well viewed, there was thousands. I think over 120,000 people circulated through that stream in the course of four hours. It's amazing. It averaged like thousands of viewers. Like there was a lot of people watching that stream. At no point did we have to time anyone out or delete any comments not or one. anything. Not one. That's a, that Time is now that's more impressive than even yeah. the numbers of how many were there. That's yeah. crazy. The fact was our chat was just chatting and really excited and supportive of all the creators. And anyone who was new who came in did not seem to dare write anything bad. We didn't have any comments. They didn't have to do anything. My mods just were there doing polls and stuff. There yes. was not any misogyny that I thought there would be. There was no like transphobia, nothing. None of that happened. And I was like, that really is a testament to the vibe that we put out, that we could have like 2,000 odd strangers thrown into our faces here and they still pick up the vibe enough to know that saying something stupid isn't going to get through. Yeah, like that is impressive. Yeah, I thought that was very, like, I was very impressed. With there's that. plenty of misogyny in, in my lives and there aren't even any women in it. So I'm amazed at that. In a, in a, <laughs> Entirely women tournament and nobody tried to be misogynist. I think that was like one comment that got picked up, which was, I know it was like a joke from someone, but I think it was like, when's the men's tournament? And we just replied with every freaking tournament. Every tournament. Literally every tournament. Come on. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, no, that was like the worst we got. No. And I'm like, well, all I'm right. Not, I was going to say, like, if that's the worst you got, I'll take that as a win. Like, uh, yeah. there you go. Like, Christ, that's that was, amazing. That was a very insane tournament we did. So... You talk, let's talk about that a bit more. Like, uh, you, what inspired you to put it together? How long did it take to organize? It seemed like I was speaking to you in like the weeks or week or two before it kicked off. It seemed like you were very busy running around getting everything sorted for it. How, what, what was the process there? Um, obviously, I've been doing like tournaments. I did a lot of charity tournaments uh, last year for Yu-Gi-Oh! That was 16 player creator tournaments with themes. We did in character voice actor ones. I got actual voice actors to play the characters and stuff. Those are very fun. So we've, we've got a big history of putting together the big showstopper kind of tournaments that I like to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was the women empowerment thing and I was offered a homepage slot um, for a tournament. And if I had anything, well, I was offered a homepage slot and I was like, what do I want to do with that? I was like, I want to do some women empowerment. And I think at the time, as much as it's like gross stuff to talk about in the Yugo scene, this did happen. Yugo Twitter is certainly a thing. And it was at the time where there was a lot of... Uh, very vocal misogyny going on and some awful stuff uh, that's like, how do I explain these things in the trigger warning based ways they are? There was obviously all that stuff going on with like some uh, bad things happening at home for people who's from bad boyfriends and yeah. people were trying to be, some of them were trying to be supportive in their own way, but it made light of like domestic abuse and stuff like that. And it felt like we'd gotten to a point where it need, we really needed to uplift the female people in the space of Yu-Gi-Oh! at that time. A positive a, a positive experience rather than... Obviously, it is, it is important to talk about the negative side of it, but you can't all be all talking about the negative side of it all the time. You do need to have some like positive times for everybody to, to come together and, yeah, and unite. It was, yeah, it was gross. It was bad. And mm. it felt bad to be like in that. And I was like making domestic abuse victims the butt of a joke essentially to make a point isn't standing with them that's not empowering them they're still the butt of the joke yeah. even and those kind of things and it was like the live streams and i know it's like they were really it was really really gross so i was like 
I think I was out shopping with my mom at the time talking about it all. Um, and I was just like, this is, it's not sitting right with me at all, what's going on. And it's like, I could yell on Twitter how to be better and say we need to do better. But who the hell am I if I don't do anything to contribute to this? How dare I have the audacity to tell other people to do better and not provide anything good myself in doing better? And I was like, well, I have a platform and I'm being given this opportunity from Twitch for Women Empowerment Month. So this makes perfect sense. But one of the big things that I wanted to do was this all women's tournament for Yu-Gi-Oh! And there was a lot of stuff that could go wrong with that kind of thing. But I wanted it to do some very specific things because I think the uh, power behind it came from being able to do certain things. One was it needed to hit numbers that were good enough to be on par with the like larger male Yu-Gi-Oh streamers. Yeah, That was one of the things for me because that showed that women could do it too. And yes. I think that's always important to show. Um, but I didn't. I couldn't do that alone. Yeah, I couldn't have hundreds of viewers on my own channel, but I can. I couldn't reach what we could do with being on the homepage of Twitch and Twitch supporting this kind of movement. So being able to put forward for a slot on the homepage at that time with it was kind of like an important thing, I think, for me. And so that's why I wanted to do the women's one because I was like, we're in a space where women could do with being empowered. And you know, a lot of people were like nervy about the projects I was working on at that time. There were people who didn't want to be involved and were a bit too anxious to uh, step uh, in on them. As in the content creators or part of your own team? My own team were yeah. fine. They'll do what they're told. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was important and we all knew what we were doing. Uh, but there were definitely content creators who were a bit wary and iffy of being involved. Um, and I had to put a lot of people under embargo. So as soon as I knew that I had the homepage slot for this tournament, I knew this was the moment to run the tournament because I knew I could push the numbers up and give it as much as it wanted. So I was like, all right, we've got a homepage slot. Let's. This is a great chance to push 16 other female Yu-Gi-Oh creators in the space. And so it felt very important to do that. And uh, then I messaged around a bunch of the peeps that I wanted. I had a list of people I wanted to invite. And I messaged them and was like, hey, you're under embargo, but also here, this is the idea. And most of them were very good and very happy to be a part of it. Um, and then it didn't take long to put together. Uh, no. Unfortunately, I actually got really sick the week of the event and I was in bed with a insane migraine and like could not do anything for like four of the five days before it. It's um, not ideal when you're about to launch a massive scale mm, uh, online production that will be no, seen by no. hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> yep. I tried to explain that to a doctor because I eventually went to go see a doctor because I was yeah. so freaking ill. And I was like, I have an insane migraine. I've not had one like this. It's not gone away. I was super ill. And the doctor, I was like, hey, look, I literally have two days before I'm about to go in front of thousands of people and platform a bunch of female creators to make a message about women empowerment in a scene that is predominantly male. I was like, I really need to be able to function here. And then the doctor was like, yeah, okay, sure you are. And I'm like, I was, I have the stats, God damn it. I hated it so much. They did not believe me at all. And they were like, just kind of thought I was, they just made light of that. They did not believe me. And I was like, God damn, that was so annoying. But yeah, so I ended up having to do all of the work for that tournament in a day uh, with a giant migraine. And I did all this extra production stuff. Like I made all the lower thirds wiggle and have movements to them. And I did all the overlays and stuff. And then I set up for the stream setup to be able to do live brackets without someone photoshopping and sending me those files constantly yeah. i just set up every single person's picture and lower third on each side and then i had like over 100 odd buttons set up so that i could like live do all that stuff and do the lower thirds and the pictures and make those cool little interlude bits then that was just for the live part that wasn't ever going in the youtube but it was there for the live part yeah i was gonna nice. say just because 
you got to make the the live experience as good as you can as well. Like it's and it, and it looked great. I think you did a great job considering yeah. how quickly you just uh, admitted to having yeah, to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I've done a lot of um, graphics work and stuff. I used to do a graphic for the radio shows and then obviously I did cosplay and I did cosplay videos and stuff. And I've done video editing as well since I was like 16. Um, obviously when it comes to live events, that is my jam these days. I do live event production for uh, Tarka Harder 101 as well. I'm yes. a live events producer, so I produce a lot of his big shows these days, which is very cool too. So production is a key part to me. And I wanted to be able to do a little bit more with my Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments because a lot of the time it's about the acting and making them feel like an anime. This was like the first one I was doing where I was like, this is a statement. Yes. And it was, I was actually, truth be told, meant to be my farewell to the Yu-Gi-Oh scene. Well, I remember uh, we talked about this. I feel like yeah. you, uh, you told me that this was your goodbye, but here it you be, not goodbye. goodbye. That's why it, it didn't goodbye very well. I no. did not. Did too good goodbye. a job. I, <laughs> it did very well. And I'm very proud of what it did. Um, and I'm like, God, what do I do next? I kind of, I'm actually in the mood to plan a second one of it. That's well, what I'm thinking about doing. Well, the original idea for this talk that I was thinking of when we, when I asked you originally if you wanted to come on the podcast, was it, it was to be another goodbye. You know, it was sort of like here's here's all the things I've achieved, and now I, I'm <laughs> moving on to new things. But I'm glad that you're not because it'd be really sad to see you go. Because I love your content and your space and your community seems great too. I seem to. Just like really like you go, but I often find myself feeling like I don't fit in very well, and um, that can be very awkward because I like I like to create more anime esque duels. When we did the charity things, we literally have like these voice actors, and we're all acting in character with the decks, and they're not very hyper competitive decks; they're modified versions of anime deck. I mean, we literally had a Weevil Underwood playing in one of the tournaments. I think that was Villains versus Heroes. We had a Weevil playing, mm. and I'm like, Weevil ain't competitive at all. But there we were with the bugs. Hey man, Bugs got some crazy new stuff now that are all still Weevil themed. You could do <laughs> even. Oh, God no, God I know. I it's always weird because I have so many I've done at this point that I could progress on. I could do character clash again, which is obviously what I do for characters fighting. But I've kind of expanded how I do my charity stuff, so it's less Yu-Gi-Oh focused. Because mm. uh, last year we raised like twenty thousand dollars for charity off Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments alone. That's amazing. Which is insane. Yeah. Any is, is it the same charity every time, or do you sort no, of mix and different match? Different charities. Yeah, yeah. Different charities. Um, and those are always like a part of what I do, and I think they're fun. And I've helped out with a lot of other people's charity Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments as well. But at certain points, I wanted to try something different. So the last one we did was a Pokemon Bingo Challenge week <laughs> that we did for like supporting uh, child cancer research and treatments yes. and such. Yeah, and we did like 3,000 uh, and such from that over there. I only did three bingo runs in the end because I got sick. Yeah. I get sick a lot. <laughs> it's really annoying. Hey, um, hey do what you can. 3,000 is um, 3,000 is 3,000 more than if you didn't do it. So uh, 3,000 <laughs> does a lot. So yeah. I was like, I'm very happy with it, but I, I don't... Um, I, I don't necessarily want to just do another Yu Gi Oh charity tournament. I'm always thinking, what do I do next? What do I try next? What is my next big game plan? What's my big gambit? Because I have my weekly thing, which is Dual Academy. Yeah. Um, and that's where my community play. And they're all in houses. So we have Slifer, Obelisk, and Raw in the Discord. You get sorted into it. You, own up, you have your own little sections that you can hang out in and chat in. And then there's points. And we do stuff like character, well, like Dorm Clash, which is five people from each dorm fighting it out down a line until a dorm is eliminated. And we do lots of special school events. So my community kind of gets a role play being in Duel Academy, which is very fun. It's very cute. Um, I really love it. It was a very cute idea to do. I wanted to, when I was decided, I wanted to end the Fortress of Duel at a certain point. After a year of running it, me and my co-host Hasha wanted to kind of move on to other stuff, um, respectively. 
And so we wanted to bring it to an end, but I was pretty sure like it wouldn't go down super well if I just ended it and there was nothing. So we made Dual Academy. That's what I came up with as my replacement for the fortress. And it's been super fun. We're on season three now. We've gone through two seasons. Uh, the way Dual Academy works as well is no one can use the same deck twice in a row. You have to really? keep switching decks. And the top deck will uh, get a hit every time. So that archetype will just get a hit on the ban list. So we start off with a relatively open ban list. And then as the season progresses, we end up with a more tailored one based around what stuff was overly strong within ours. Obviously, we tone it down to be a bit more casual to begin with. Um, so we don't let, we knew like stuff like Tailaments is just not allowed in. Master yeah. Duel sucks with Tailaments, good God. We've banned Tailaments um, from our Yu-Gi-Oh! TikTok lives as well, just because nobody, yeah. nobody, well, obviously some people do, but the general public don't want to watch it. You've, yeah. seen, you've had a year of them in the TCG. Do you really just want to stay in that year? They're not that fun. They might be fun for you to play, but they're not fun to play against at all. And when every deck's the same deck, you know it's not good. No, 100%. 100%. I like being able to rock up with my red dragon arch fiends, which I guess will probably get hit soon since they're getting support. You love uh, many different styles and stuff. What's your go-to Yu-Gi-Oh deck? If you Frightful. had a choice. Frightful. Uh, yes, it's Frightful or at the moment on Master Duel and such and IRL, I play Frightful Despia because I really, mm. I'm a massive Aluba stan. That is the reality. I wonder why. Uh, he's so sexy. He's such a sexy twink. Good God. It's not okay how sexy a twink that boy is. Uh, they knew what they were doing when they made by Steel Aluba. We're not going to go into my obsession with Aluba. I'm not the only person in the world with this obsession. It's a fairly common one as far as Twitter's He's taught me so anything. He's so pretty! Why they got to draw him like that? I don't know, but I wish <laughs> they can keep doing it. They can just... I got an Aluba playmat right here that I usually use to uh, open my card packs on. I got my Aluba stuff that chat by me. I do love Aluba a little too much. It's great. But yeah, Fright Birds. Fright Birds are like one of my favorite decks to play because it's very rewarding once you know what you're doing. It's true. It can uh, be very complicated, so it's fun. No, I've always loved Fright Furs. I've loved the reason I didn't buy Fright Furs, and I wish I had at the time, is because I was so angry that they censored them. Do you, do you see oh, the censorship? Oh, I know. It's the censorship so pathetic. sucks. Like, I am uh, not inherently against censorship in Yu Gi Oh! because I don't really. Do I care that much that they've made like the the breasts on all the harpy ladies half the size? Like it doesn't affect the card to me. Like it's annoying. I don't like censorship in general, but like I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. But saying that scissors can't be seen by children is like a, a level too far even for me. Like it was like crazy. Uh, but the socks, censoring the socks, that was fine. That was pointful. Yeah, that that saved us. We saved kids from going to hell because we censored socks on anime girls. Didn't they make all the armpits of all the tier elements slightly less defined? I feel like there was oh such a there was like a really Really minor God. tweak to all the two elements, and I think it was like armpit and like Yu-Gi-Oh! censorship is one of my favorite things ever because it's so freaking dumb. It's so inconsistent. It's over censored. Well. Yeah. It's so so over censored. Go. <laughs> we love it. It's my it's my little bit of rough play and a twink. We do love that. But I would love to. And thank you for having me. I hope uh, your audience enjoys it. And uh, if you're mean in the comments, then no dog champ licks for you. Very true. Thank you. But so if you're much. nice, here's a dog champ lick. Oh. <laughs> Sick. That's the way I gotta go. It's gotta be done. And that's the end of our chat for this week. But don't worry, Mistress Doom will be back on the podcast if you enjoyed hearing from her. 
and the links to all of her socials will be in the podcast below. Last week I asked you, did you think the Yu-Gi-Oh! ban list would be out before this episode? That was one week ago and you were wrong. 60% of you thought that it was not going to be out today and I can't blame you. We've waited so long that I almost lost faith myself, but Konami delivered and we have a ban list. It's maybe not the best ban list, but it's certainly something and I'm just excited to be able to play some new Yu-Gi-Oh! with some changes and not having to worry about Diablosis banishing important cards from my extra deck. Reading some of the messages we got last week, I was pleased that Crow's Calling enjoyed last week's episode because we talked positively about Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel. Uh, a lot of people do not talk positively about Zexel, that is true. Uh, and there's lots to love about it, there's lots to mock and lots to make fun of, but there's loads to love about Zexel, that's for true. Thanks for the kind comment Venture Tower Gaming saying you love the podcast, and thank you Trick for Trade for correcting us, uh, we got the names wrong on some of the Zexel characters last week. Uh, my bad, we haven't watched it in quite a while, to be fair. To celebrate Pride Month, next week's podcast will be related to LGBTQ plus themes, so hopefully you get excited for that. And this week's question will be, who's your favourite Yu-Gi-Oh ship in the anime? And my poll question will be, are you happy with this week's ban list that just came out? Let me know, and I'm excited to see the results next week. Have a lovely week, everybody. I'd love if you guys could leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or just a like on YouTube. It would really help me out. Thank you. Have a lovely week.